Thank you so much for joining us. We want to give you guys a couple quick, quick announcements to get going. We want to tell you guys about My Life Bridge. My Life Bridge is what you can use to stay uh, up to date with what we're doing. So um, from our website, it's very easy to find My Life Bridge, and you can download it on your phone. Kind of functions like an app that way. You can use it for sermon notes for what we have coming up. Uh, we've got uh, audio of our sermons on Sundays, and we also have a, an audio devotional Monday through Friday. You can find that there. You can give online. You can sign up for email and text updates. It's a really just kind of the hub for people who attend here to stay in the loop. So please do check out My Life Bridge. Next, I want to tell you guys, we've got a gift wrapping party. So we, we wrapped up our Friends of Jesus gift drive, although I suppose uh, we, uh, until Tuesday night, we can still take gifts. And we've, we've collected a few. I think we've already emptied the box and, and filled it up again. So we're very thankful if you, if you participated by bringing in gifts for the Friends of Jesus gift drive. We will be wrapping this Tuesday, not at, six, uh, not at 8 p.m., but at 6 p.m. Is Tia in here? There's no way it's at 8 p.m., though. I'm almost 6 p.m.? Thanks. So it's at 6 p.m. This, uh, this, um, this Tuesday, and the maker of that slide was me, so I will take the blame for that as well. This Tuesday, uh, 6 p.m., please join us for the gift wrapping party and uh, help us get those gifts wrapped for, uh, for Friends of Jesus as they, they distribute them to, uh, to churches and through churches in uh, the inner cities of, of Milwaukee and Racine. And uh, it's just a, a wonderful way for us to help some, some folks who, who aren't quite as fortunate uh, this Christmas season. I'm trying to go to the next one. Oh, yeah, thank you so much for, for, your, for supporting our mission financially. And there, there's a few ways you can do that. Uh, you can do it online, through My Life Bridge, through Venmo. We also have giving boxes at each end of the hallway. If you go out the door, there's on the left side on each end of the hallway. And we are going to talk a little, bit about, a little bit about our finances today as we get close to the end of the year. And we want you guys to get involved in, in what we're doing right now. So I talked about this a little bit last week if you, if you streamed the service or watched it on YouTube after the fact. But we are starting a, a giving push for the month of December. And what, really what it is, it's, it's a generosity push because our goal, uh, our goal for this month is $70,000. Half of that is to co- cover our normal costs. And the other half is to give to some of, to some of our, our, our basically outreach efforts. The first one is the Hulu House. If you haven't heard about the Hulu House yet, um, the Darren and Lindsay Nicholson, who were here for a better part of this year, they were stuck here because of COVID. They're now back in South Africa. Darren got baptized, if you remember that. But they are back, and they are. Um, we've entered basically a three-year partnership covenant with them to really help them expand their ministry in South Africa. A big part of that that they're they're undergoing right now is purchasing uh, a farm with a bigger house and multiple buildings. They've been taking care of eight kids uh, full-time, and they hope to expand that and to expand their ability to, uh, to bring in other, other kids from the community and really continue to do really amazing work there. So we're so excited to partner with the Hulu House. And, um, and then we've also got a, a, a Gather and Give, which is our, our local outreach partners that we give to, Love and TLC, and then we have a scholarship fund. And then also um, a COVID needs fund. And really what this looks like is what the numbers that you're seeing on the screen have already been donated. Um, somebody somebody kind of stepped up and, and made these donations and is, is asking our church in the month of December to come, up, to come up with a match for these numbers. So really, all the numbers that you see there, if we can raise those, we will have effectively raised double that in the month of December. So $30,000 for the Hulu House. Our, uh, our three-year partnership really starts with them next year, and that will really help us start to seed uh, that big commitment that we're making to them. 
it would be $20,000 to the Gather and Give, and then $20,000 for a COVID needs fund that we, we are putting aside because we, we, are expecting, um, we are expecting a lot more a lot more hurt to come in terms of job loss and things like that in the coming year. And we want to be prepared to be a part of helping with that in our community. So that is money that we're trying to raise this, this month. So our goal is $70,000, and half of that is money that's going to be put into those efforts, and we're asking you to be a part of it. If you have any questions about it, please reach out to me. If you have any questions about any of those specific uh, efforts and um, we want more information about those, we have nothing to hide about any of it. We have nothing to hide about our financials. Just reach out and ask, and we, we'd, love to, we'd love to talk to you about it. But please do get involved by giving um, at the end of this year. The last thing I want to remind you of is we have baptisms. The way we're doing baptisms is we're doing them at the beginning of the next service so that you, you folks have the opportunity to stay for a few minutes and, uh, and participate in those uh, before taking off today. So I'd remind you our service will wrap up um, around, uh, around 10.45 or 10.50, and then we'll have baptisms about 10 minutes after, so if you guys want to hang around for a few minutes and see people get baptized. We've got uh, seven people getting baptized today, which we're very excited about. So please stick around for that as well. With that, I'm going to pray for our service today and welcome up uh, Pastor John. Jesus, we thank you so much. God, we thank you for this church. We thank you for these people and this community. And God, we thank you for being a God worth serving, worth gathering around, Lord, worth putting our focus towards and glorifying. God, you are so worthy of our praise. We thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please welcome up Pastor John Adams. Thanks, man. <laughs> we need a little more, guys. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's all you got? Um, I haven't preached in a while. That's it? Yeah, oh, I'm a little flustered now because I just realized as I was walking up here that I didn't put my microphone on, so I'm using this guy. Anyways, yeah, um, our new series, our new campaign is called Among Us. So for the next uh, roughly 12 weeks, we're going to be talking about this theme and this topic. Uh, the connotation is obvious to Christmas. So for the first three weeks, we're going to be talking about the incarnation and incarnational living and what that looks like. Um, the idea here of incarnational living, if that's not something you're familiar with, uh, hopefully you've heard of the incarnation of Jesus, how Jesus is God, the second person of the Trinity, who became human. He became man. Um, so when we think of incarnational living, it's a popular term in the missional movement today that takes what Jesus did by becoming God, becoming human, as a model for how we should do ministry and how we should uh, minister to our communities, places that we live, and the ways that we do mission. Our strategy here at LifeBridge is built on this principle, in part, at least. And in this series, we're going to kind of explore it a little bit further and look at it a little more in detail. So if you're like, I don't know what you mean by that, throughout this series, it should start to make a lot of sense. This is really how we encourage you and want to challenge you to live your life, okay, to Take some of these principles of living incarnationally, is what we're going to say a lot, and apply these to your life, to everything, the decisions that you make. Today we're going to talk about location. And I haven't fully decided yet, but the next two weeks we're going to talk about time and attention. We might do those in one service, we might do those in two. We'll see how much content I can squeeze out of that topic. Um, 
But this theme is largely taken from John 1.14. Okay, so if you've, you're probably familiar with this verse in some capacity, maybe you've heard it. It's really the kind of central text on the incarnation of Jesus. John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So really quick, we're not going to spend a ton of time here on this, but just really quick, um, John uses a lot of word pictures here and uses a lot of terminology that would be familiar to his first century Jewish audience primarily. But to us, we read these and sometimes they kind of just go over our heads. So the first thing that John says here, and we cover these more in the devotional, so I'm just going to kind of zoom through it. Um, first thing he uses is this concept of the word. Okay, We tend to think of... Yeah, we use the word in a different, and that's even old. Like nobody says word anymore, right? Word. Nobody says that. So <clears throat> that was like early 2000 boy band. <laughs> At least that's the connotation that I get when I think of word. So when John says the word, he's already used it in the first verse of his book. In the beginning was the word, he says. And the word was with God, and the word was God. So John is personifying Jesus as Jesus is the personified word. Okay, so he's referring to Jesus here when he says the word. And when you look at the Old Testament, the word means, uh, it means revelation, which is probably John's primary emphasis here uh, because he talks about how we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So it means revelation. It refers to power. Remember in Genesis 1, the creation narrative um, is repeatedly, says God said, God said. So God created all the universe through his word, through the power of his word. And it means salvation. Uh, there's a few places in the Old Testament. Uh, Psalm 107 is one of them where uh, salvation is implied by God's word, that God's word goes forth and salvation comes from that. So those are the three implications of the word. And so John is using all of that likely in some way to describe Jesus. That Jesus is power, Jesus is revelation, and Jesus brings salvation. Okay? So it's a perfect theme, it's a perfect description of Jesus and his ministry. And John picks up on that. And so he says, this word became flesh. All right? This is the incarnation language. So it doesn't say that Jesus just appeared to be human, as would be common in the culture of the day, like a God just looks human for a while, but they're not really. No, no, Jesus gives a lot of value and dignity to our physical bodies and to the physical world because he became flesh. He didn't just look human, he became human. Okay, so the, the nerdy word for this is the hypostatic union. Okay, anybody? Yeah? Cool. Again, if you, want, if you want to impress people at a dinner party, drop that line. Um, everyone will think you're ridiculous. So it's the, the natures of Jesus and how they blend when you're describing who Jesus is. Okay? So he's fully God, fully man. And uh, the ancient church described it as two natures unmingled in one person. Okay? So that's the theological term for the hypostatic union. Jesus became flesh. And when he became flesh, he didn't uh, eliminate or reduce his divinity, to do so, he was still fully God. Okay? He didn't act out of all of his privileges and abilities as a divine being, but he was still fully God, and he took on flesh, and he was fully human as well. Okay? Both. 
the same time. So, this word became flesh and dwelt among us, John says. Okay, I can spend a lot more time on all of these. I'm not, we're just kind of cruising through it. So if you're like, what? I, I get it. Again, I do this all the time. I've been thinking about this all week for the last like three, four weeks. This is all new for you guys. So kind of just, yeah, bear with me. We'll revisit it in the devotional if you're a little, if you're a little overwhelmed. So this word, it became flesh, Jesus, and dwelt among us. This is what we're going to kind of hone in on in this series. Okay. First of all, this word for dwelt is the Greek word that's often translated for tabernacle. Okay. So again, it's just red flags going off in the minds of his first century readers. Word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. Tabernacle is where God's presence rested, where God's presence was with the people in their wilderness wandering phase after they left Egypt. So this is the, the, the presence of God dwelling with them in Jesus, the Word. So now the amazing thing about this dwelt among us concept is that Jesus didn't just come and visit with us. He came and lived among us. He stayed. He lived here for 33, roughly, years, showing us who God is, teaching us how to live. And what we see in the Gospels is a picture of Jesus' interactions with people in him just dwelling among us and being here. So he came and he dwelt among us. And the beauty that we're going to think about today, too, is that Jesus came here to earth. Okay? Christmas for, I'm not going to go on my, <clears throat> on my Christmas reason for the season, pastor rant, and how Jesus is the reason for the season. But for Christians, okay, we need to think about this every Christmas season, about Jesus humbling himself, leaving heaven, being made man, and coming here. The humility in that. Heaven is better. Can we all agree to that? Okay, heaven's like a luxury condo. This is like the slum, all right? <laughs> so Jesus left his luxury condo in, a, we'll say, I don't know, wherever your favorite, whatever your favorite place is, okay? Whatever speaks luxury, beauty to you and comfort. Jesus left there, and he came to the slum to live with us and to do ministry here with us, and to be with us. That's quite the humble act, especially when we think about it in those, cons those, those terms. And he didn't just, again, come and visit. He didn't just come on like a short-term missions trip for a couple weeks, and then he's out. He stayed for 33 years to show us who God is. And then he was tortured and killed. So Jesus came here, humbled himself, and dwelt among us. So now what we're going to do in this series is kind of look at the big theological picture. Um, so I want you to think about that. But I also want you to see how Jesus modeled this in his ministry as well. Okay, so Jesus, so it's not just us thinking about the lofty theology of the incarnation. Jesus showed us what it looks like to not only in come from, coming from heaven to earth, but to go where people are and to dwell among them. Even people who are despised, people who are rejected, 
the lower classes of society. Probably the most famous story is Matthew 9, when Jesus meets this guy named Matthew. As Jesus passed on from there, see, I love, the gospel writers do this all the time, okay? Throughout the gospels, as Jesus passed on from there, Jesus was just going about his business. This is just Jesus in his normal weekly routine. He was somewhere, he was teaching, he was doing something, and he left. And as he was going on, something else happens. When you read this in the gospel, what it should do is cue your mind in to say, how do I handle interruptions in my day-to-day? Do I see those as opportunities to, to minister? Do I see those as opportunities to bring Jesus into a new situation? So Jesus is just going on, just doing what he does, his normal day, day-to-day business, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. (laughs) Matthew was a tax collector. Tax collectors were despised. They were hated. They were viewed as traitors in the Jewish world. They sold out to the Romans to collect taxes from the Jewish people. First of all, they hated the fact that Rome was the overseer, the occupying force in Jerusalem, in Israel, in this day and age. And then these guys, who were Jewish, agreed to like, take a job with the Romans of collecting taxes. And they would always collect way more than they needed to because this was their income as well. And the Romans gave them free reign to do that. So they were, not, uh, they were not friendly towards tax collectors. And he said to them, to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, Many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Okay, so now it's not just a tax collector, it's a lot of other people. Uh, these other sinners and more tax collectors come in. Oftentimes you'll read these two together in the New Testament, tax collectors and sinners, because they're kind of synonymous. If you're a tax collector, you're a sinner. Okay? It goes, the, it, it, yeah. And when the Pharisees saw this, They said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? I always read this with just like a snobby accent. I'm not going to try it. So whatever accent is most snobby to you, you read that. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Every time I do accents, I totally butcher it. And it usually devolves into southern accent. So I'm not going to try. If you have a southern accent, I'm sorry. I'm like disrespecting you every time I try to do an accent. So why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And notice they don't even have the they don't even have the courage to say this to Jesus directly. They're kind of gossiping with his disciples on the side, hoping that Jesus doesn't hear them. There it goes. But when he heard it, he said, So Jesus hears it. Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. So again, he's saying this to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. So Jesus is telling them, you guys need to learn something. Okay. When you have a specialty in something, when you're a specialist in your field and someone tells you you need to like, learn your field better, how do you tend to respond? Good? Bad. What do you think? Yeah? Not great, right? He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. 
He says, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I love this. So Jesus, he doesn't just do this with Matthew here. This was like a hallmark of his ministry. Okay, Jesus, the one who came from heaven to earth, he also, in his ministry, went where it was, he was culturally looked down upon, and he was willing to go into those spaces to be with them. He did this with the woman at the well. He, he uh, did this with Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector in Jericho. He did this with the garrison demoniac. He did this time and time again throughout his ministry. Jesus went to places where most holy, good Jewish people would not go. Even think of where Jesus found his disciples, like by the sea, a lot of them. He went in and he just, they were working. And he said, hey guys, come and follow me. Miraculous catch of fish. And then they started following him. Jesus went to them. So, what I think we see here is that our choice of location says a lot about what we value. Where you go <clears throat> says a lot about what you value. <clears throat> Jesus chose to come to earth because he values the salvation of people for the glory of God. He came to seek and save the lost, as he says elsewhere. Here he says he came not to call the righteous, but sinners into his kingdom. So the Pharisees, their question to him, don't, to his disciples, don't you realize, like, why is he eating with these people? It implies that they value their public image more. Or it implies that they value their misconstrued concept of holiness and what holiness really looks like and means, that they can't interact with sinful people. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But here's, here's our big idea for today. Following the way of Jesus, we need to be willing to go to people and be with people. Remember, Jesus is our model for ministry. His incarnation the things that he did, the things that we can imitate, the things that we can uh, do like Jesus, we should do. Obviously, we're not God. And if you think you're God, we need to talk, okay? We're not God, like coming to be made human, right? But the aspects and the, the, the thinking behind that and the humility behind that are things that we need to model. It sounds kind of absolutely ridiculous that I need to say this, right? Like we're Christians, followers of Jesus. He's the author, the perfecter of our faith. The things that we can do what Jesus did, we should do what Jesus did. And Jesus was willing to humble himself and go there to be with us here on earth in this location. And throughout his ministry, he did the same. He went to people who were sinners, people who were hurting, people who were in need. So if we're following the way of Jesus, we need to be willing to go to people and not just go to them, and visit with them, but to live among them and to be there with them. We'll kind of unpack this a little bit later. Ben, do you guys want to come up and get set up? Would you guys pray with me? Lord, Jesus, we thank you for coming to earth, for being made human, for your humility. Lord, we thank you that you didn't just come and be made man, but yet, even in your ministry, Lord, you went to places. You were ate with people who were sinners, who were tax collectors, who were despised and rejected. Lord, I pray as we consider this that your spirit would work on our heart, 
Point out the areas of our life, Lord, where we're not living like you, where our intentions, where our motivations are not like you, Jesus. And inspire us to change through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys stand with us? Let's sing together. Following the way of Jesus, we need to be willing to go to people and to be with people. Now, I fully realize the irony of preaching a sermon series called Among Us in the midst of COVID. Okay, <laughs> we get this. Uh, and I think some things have been misunderstood or misconstrued over the past year with our church and us. We really value this, you guys. We value being in person. We value being face to face. We value being in the same location. We think that's very important. And this year has created unique challenges where it, may, it didn't seem wise sometimes to do this. Because it's not just us we're concerned about. It's not just individuals, it's a community the broader community we have to think about because we exist in community. So there's lots of reasons for that. I'm not going to rehash all of them. But bottom line, we value this. We value community. We value being in person. And we hope that you see this throughout this series. And we hope that you will adopt that value as well of going there and being with people. One of the things I notice when I read this sentence is going to people and being with people and thinking about Jesus' ministry and Jesus' incarnation is it is very inefficient. In our culture, we want things to be efficient, to be fast, to be not just one when we can do multiples, right? Going to an individual, going to people, being present is extremely inefficient because you can only be in one place at one time. You can try to be in multiple locations, but then you're just, your attention is distracted and you're not giving the people that you're actually with the attention that you need. You can only be in one place at one time. Now, don't, don't give me the Jesus post-resurrection, like walking through doors and appearing and disappearing thing, okay? I know. But in his ministry, before the resurrection, he was in one place at one time, meeting people as he went along the way. If we value the mission of Jesus, I think we will locate ourselves in places where we can have the most impact for the mission of Jesus. So the first thing I think we need to do is appreciate the humility of Jesus in coming to us. We need to take time, and we need to sit, and we need to think on this. So in your private worship time this week, or in your time of prayer, in your time of solitude, when you're alone, when you're thinking, when you get time, think on this deeply. Appreciate what Jesus did and respond in worship to him and in praise to him. We need to take time to do this. This is why Christmas is on the calendar every year. Why annually Christians reflect on the incarnation of Jesus because it is so important. We need to think on this every year and spend time with it and chew on it. So in your quiet time, in your time of worship, in your time of prayer, solitude, walks, think about what it meant for Jesus to come to heaven or come from heaven to earth. 
Think about his sacrifice. Think about his humility and his love and respond in worship and praise to him. Now we're going to talk about how we can imitate Jesus. But don't go to the imitation of Jesus and the behavioral changes before you do the worship and the reflection and the prayer. So often we tend to just neglect that and go right to, what do I need to do? Tell me what to do, John. I promise you, if you try to enact these behavioral changes without the worship and the reflection and the prayer, it won't stick. Or you'll get frustrated or you'll be doing it for the wrong reasons. I think it's best to approach this in a series of questions. Number one is, why do you live where you do? Think of Burlington. Our city, our state. Think of your neighborhood, your house that you live in. Who lives around you? You guys got reasons in your head? You can actually think while I'm asking you these questions. That's cool. <laughs> if the only answer that you can think of is personal preference or luxury, that's probably a problem, right? If you ended up locating yourself in an isolated location to get away from people, yeah. If you keep thinking like, oh, neighbors are so nosy. Neighbors are annoying. I hate being interrupted when I'm out doing my chores with these conversations. I don't want people borrowing my tools. I hate it when my neighbor's dog is barking. I thought about that the other day. I was like, man, we used to have a neighbor whose dog barked all the time. And I'm like, man, that was super annoying. And then I remembered, I let my dog out at like 11 o'clock every night and he barks like a psychopath too. It's so like, I'm annoying to my neighbors as well. <laughs> if you moved away, how does your location of living, how does it reflect your concern for the mission of Jesus? And if you do live in a more isolated location, and as you reflect on this, you don't find any sin in your heart and in your motivations, you really need to be intentional about the lo where you locate yourself otherwise. Because if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, my guess is you would say that the mission of Jesus, your relationship with Jesus, is your top priority in life. Where you locate yourself is a significant investment of time and energy and wealth. Does that reflect your concern for the mission of Jesus, which is your ultimate priority. If not, there's a discrepancy there and something needs to change. So reflect on where you live. Because I think where we locate ourselves is really important. Because there are so many times that Little interruptions, little conversations happen. <laughs> On one occasion, I was just working out in my yard. I don't even remember what I was doing. I was out in the front yard, and my neighbor across the street came over. He's an elderly man. He came over, and he wanted to warn me to make sure that I was aware that kids are going around. Uh, he wanted me to make sure I locked my car if I leave it out, because kids are going around. They're stealing stuff out of cars. I was like, ah, oh, thank you. That was a great conversation. Thank you. Good info. And in the midst of that conversation, he just told me that 
his mother-in-law was having an operation surgery in the next couple of days. So like right there, at the end of my driveway, while my mind was totally on like cutting the grass or trimming something completely other than Jesus and God, this guy comes over, talks to me. We have a great conversation, and right there I end up praying for him and for his mother-in-law. And we can bring God into these little moments right in your, right where you are, where you spend your time. <laughs> had to ask him if he had any faith concerns, <laughs> what his faith was before I even started talking to him. But I got a chance to pray for him. Next, where do you hang at? Why do you hang out where you do? Why do you spend your time where you do? You spend all your free time at home watching Netflix by yourself or just with your family. Why? What does that say about what you value? You spend all your free time working for your job, for work, or working on projects at home. Why? What does that say about what you value? Where do you hang out? You know, I could share a lot of dramatic stories about people leaving their comfortable homes and churches and going to either another country or another location in our country and locating themselves there and doing mission there. Darren and Lindsay is a great example of that. The whole time they were here, they kept saying, like, this isn't our home. South Africa is our home. This is where we want to be. They moved, Lindsay moved there and they're invested there. That's incarnate relationships, incarnate living there in their community doing mission, the mission of Jesus right there. I could share a bunch of stories like that. But I think when, what's more helpful for us is when we think about this incarnational living concept, to, to start small, to start simple. And the beauty of this is you don't have to be weird. Okay, everybody freaks out about when you start talking about evangelism and how to share Jesus with other people. Everybody freaks out. With this concept, you don't have to be weird. You don't have to go do church in a bar to be incarnational. That's just kind of weird, right? And then everybody just stays at the bar and watches the Packers game after church. I don't know if that's great. You don't have to do things that just seem silly or awkward or weird. When you live and you work and you hang out in a community and you're invested in a location where you are doing your entire life in a location, mission comes natural. It's an out, it can be an outflow of who you are. When it's a, a visit, when it's a quick, I gotta, get the, I gotta get the message out, quick. Then it gets awkward and then it gets weird. But when you live and you do your life in a community where you are ministering, it just comes natural. You can just be you and do the things that you do and share Jesus in doing those things. You bring Christ into those locations. Think about a few things. One, uh, again, to bring up Darren and Lindsay again, when I was working out, I worked out at the same place as Darren. Like, he and I, okay, the gym is not like the place where a lot of spiritual conversations are happening, right? It's a place where a lot of bros are checking themselves out, working on their muscles, and just staring at themselves in the mirror, right? Not a holy place. But Darren and I are working out, and in between sets, I love talking with people in between sets. Darren and I are working out, and in between sets, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about what we talked about at church. And we're bringing Christ into those locations, just this Friday. This is the reason why we planted the church here where we did, to be incarnate in this community. It's pretty hard to drive through Burlington without seeing LifeBridge. Without, LifeBridge is at the heart of what's happening here. 
We want to be a part of this community. It presents its challenges that we're located here instead of outside of town. But we want to be a part of this community. And just this Friday, I was walking into church, and someone was walking by, and, and I just asked him, I said, hey, how you doing, man? Typical thing that I ask everybody, right? And he goes, terrible. And just kept walking. I was like, oh, bummer, dude. <laughs> so I kind of awkwardly followed him. I was like, hey, man. Like, you can't just say that and then walk away from a pastor. Um, <laughs> and he was like walking with a really bad limp. And you could tell, he was walking with the back pain look, right? So I knew he had back pain. So right there, I just got a chance to pray with him. And because we're located right here in church, in the downtown where people are walking by. So this week, I want you to really reflect on this. What does your location say about how you value the mission of Jesus? How does the mission of Christ influence where you locate yourself and where you find yourself? And if changes need to be made, if you find sin, repent and make the changes that Jesus is calling you to. Let's pray. Lord, God, help us to live like you, to do mission like you, Jesus, to be present here in our communities. Lord, I pray for this week as we reflect, as we think, as we worship you for locating yourself here, for coming to earth to redeem earth. Jesus, that where we find inconsistencies in our theology, in our behavior, the way we think and what we do, Lord, that your spirit would guide us to make decisions, to make choices, to make life changes that are more in line with who you call your people to be. No matter the sacrifice, Lord, we want to follow the way of Jesus. We want to do what Jesus did. We want to live like he lived. Lord, inspire us, move us. Even if the changes be radical, Lord. Because you are our first priority. You are our first love. Lord, we want to be on mission for you in all that we do, wherever we find ourselves. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you guys need prayer, I'll be out there in the lobby. Please grab me. I'd love to pray with you. If you can, hang around for the baptism. We have seven people being baptized. It's an awesome celebration for the church to be here together and to celebrate new life in Christ. So thanks for being here. Again, if you need prayer, grab me. I'm happy to pray with you. Not have a great week.